have your Bibles or your Bible app, please turn them to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 33. So last week, if you were with us for our church anniversary, um, this message that we're having tonight should have been a part of it, but I was being nice to the guests. I didn't, I didn't want to traumatize them too much. So this is basically a spin-off from last uh, Sunday's uh, message. If you don't have your Bible or your Bible app, um, please, if you have a seat, uh, the person that you're sitting right next to, please look over their shoulder or the ones with the Bible, please share them. I'll be reading from the CSB version. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven. Not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, it, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had to be sold to pay the debt. To pay the debt. Verse 26. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. Verse 30, But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Verse 33. I'm going to end there. Please join me in a word of prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thank you for another evening that you have given to us. Another evening that we can learn more about you, your will, and your ways for us. I pray, Lord God, that you guide us. Guide us to know the truth. Guide us to know what you want us to know. We recognize your presence with us this evening. And we, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit and all your people tonight, be the one, Lord God, to give them the clarity of your message. Override my preparations, Lord God, and let you and you alone speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me get this. So, we last week we spoke about the paralyzed man. And tonight, our title, I entitled our message, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. In Christianity, we know that it is repetitive, right? 
that we have to ask for forgiveness time and time again. Ask God, our Father, for forgiveness. Because as Christians, we have recognized and admitted, and sadly, we know that we can't walk this life perfectly. Correct? Amen. So the many times that we go to God, the many times that the, the many times that as much to our frustration, we always go to Him and ask for forgiveness. And that is our topic tonight. The parable where, you know, when, when we read it, Peter was first trying to, ex, you know, he was trying to impress Jesus, right? Because the rabbinic the rabbinic law was to forgive someone. Three times. That was it. From their understanding, because if you would read the ver verses before what we read, it was about the discipline, the church discipline, and how you are to handle when somebody offends you. There was three times there. So they misinterpreted that to see, saying that you can only forgive someone three times, and then you move on. But here, Peter tried to impress Jesus by saying seven times, right? He was trying to impress Jesus. And then Jesus just gave him the curveball of curveballs, saying 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Now, it is not the many times. The whole point of Jesus saying that number is not because you can start counting 490, right? I know Matt's not my best friend, okay? Matt's never been my friend, but I'm thinking it's 490, I'm thinking. So, but it's, 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 it's for us to stop counting, for not even count, for not to put tabs. Okay, that's 491. I'm done with you. No, the whole point of Jesus saying that is that we stop counting. We don't even have to track it. We just have to keep forgiving them. Because if you read the parable, if you read the parable, the, I have to explain to you the talent. For those of the Bible buffs here, you already know that the talent there is the highest monetary unit of currency during the first century. And it's equivalent to 6,000 denarii or drachmas. That's worth 6,000 days of work. Because a denarii is a full day's work of pay. So if you look at your, the story again, he then saw his co-servant owing him a hundred denarii, a hundred days worth of work. But he owed his master and he was forgiven a total of 190,000 years worth of work. But he was forgiven. But yet he couldn't forgive his co-servant, his fellow servant. Sometimes we walk this earth after we accept Jesus as our Lord. We start doing the right things and then somebody offends us and we have the heart of this unmerciful servant. We all of a sudden choke the life out of someone else thinking, you have to change because I change. You have to do the same thing. Did you guys know about the, if you had a short sale many years ago, if you were going through uh, foreclosure, 
you probably heard of the Debt Forgiveness Act of 2007. The Debt Relief, this Mortgage Forgiveness Act, this Debt Forgiveness Act, was to forgive the taxpayers the income that they were supposed to be, uh, uh, that they had to claim as income because if it's for the house that they bought for four hundred thousand, all of a sudden it dropped to two hundred thousand. Now they have to sell the house on a short sale meaning they're selling it less than what it's worth. Now there's $200,000 that's left that the, the lender had to forgive, but they have to give that $200,000 number to the borrower and it serves as income. But the government came with this debt forgiveness act so that the borrower who has that 200,000, because they never really made that money, but somebody has to claim that as a loss. That's what the banks needed to do. But the, the, the government made that way, made that happen for your primary residence. See, it was forgiven. It was a lot of money. A lot of people benefited that with that, including me and my family. It's the same thing with this servant here. And it's the same thing with us believers. We are quick to forget. That's why I, I put this on, the on top, remember. Remember, James 2.13 reads, There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when He judges you. God expects us, us who? Us believers, the ones that have been forgiven of our sins, the ones that have owe, that owe God a lot, we owe Him so much, and He expects us to be forgiving as He has forgiven us. He expects us, His children, to take on His likeness. We are to be like Christ. We are to be like Christ. We are created in His image and His likeness, but we are to be like Him. In what way? It, to be merciful, to be forgiving. Here is how we know. Folks, this is how we know who the real Christians are. This is how we know who the real Christ followers are. And it's not, it's not their ability by healing. It's not by, by the ability of healing. It's not the ability of preaching. It's not even about sharing the gospel. That's not how you determine or see who the real Christians are. The real Christ followers are the ones that can forgive. The forgiving person. Those are the real forgiven people because you cannot give what you don't have. So if you recognize deep in your heart and you've understood that you were given mercy by God, you are compelled to forgive others, especially in the household of faith. Dr. David Jeremiah says, God, in his rich, God is rich in mercy and grace, but He is also holy and just. So those who refuse to forgive should not imagine that God would welcome their unforgiving hearts into the kingdom. Because the last verse of what we read says, Go throw that servant into, into the prison until he pays everything that he has owed me. So folks, do you expect, if you are unforgiving, if you are holding grudges in your heart, if you are bitter, if you are not forgiving, 
whether it's your spouse, your child, your parent, your, 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 your fellow believer here, do you honestly think that you understood what you accepted from Christ? The point of the parable is not that God's forgiveness, once granted, will be revoked if a follower of Jesus Christ refuses to forgive his brother or sister. That's not the point. Rather, refusal to forgive is the symptom of a person who fails to grasp the impossible depth of his debt and the infinite magnitude of God's mercy, and therefore has no reason to presume that he has received God's forgiveness in the first place. If you can't forgive your fellow men, don't expect that you have been forgiven by God. Because you just said that your standards is higher than God's standards. For some odd reason, we believers, because we've walked this straight and narrow for a certain period of time, all of a sudden we become critical, we become harsh, we become short, we become judgmental of other people, that we can't forgive them. And did you know that there was a research done? This was written in recently, in October 21, this year. This was uh, written in Washington Post. This study was supported in part of the uh, Institute of uh, John Templeton's Foundation. Uh, it was done in the University of Michigan. It reads... Um, I'm just going to read it here. You may have tried exercising, counting sheep, warm milk, or even over-the-counter medications to fall asleep and even to sleep better. Researchers asked 1,423 Americans, adults, to rate themselves on how likely they were to forgive themselves for the things they did wrong and forgive others for hurting them. The participants also answered survey questions about how they had slept in the past 30 days, how they would rate their health at the moment, and how satisfied they were with their life. The results suggest people who were more forgiving were more likely to sleep better and for longer, and in turn, have better physical health. They were also more satisfied with life. This was true of people who were more forgiving of others and people who were more forgiving of themselves. Although forgiving others had a stronger relationship with better, self, better sleep. Do you, you see that? So we could have saved these people a lot of time and money if, we, if they just read the Bible, right? <laughs> but no, let them spend their money, let them spend their time. I'm putting it up here so that you know that the world and God, they agree on this one. So is there any forgiveness in your heart that you've been holding on to that's keeping you up at night? It could be your spouse that you're sleeping right next to. <laughs> and vice versa. Maybe it's time that you consider forgiving them. Maybe it's time that you consider forgiving each other. Maybe it's time that you let go of it because you know that this was said, right? Bitterness is the poison you drink thinking that the other person will die. I don't know who said it, but he makes a lot of sense. 
What is it, folks? Why do we love to hold on to the offense? Because we love people's attention? Because we love to tell people like, oh, my husband is so terrible. Please pray for me. And everybody hugs you at the prayer meeting. Oh, I'm so sorry. And you love that. You can't let go of it. So you want that attention all the time. You want people to feel sorry and to feel bad for you. That's why you'd rather not have your husband turn around. Because you really don't want to forgive him. Because you want this attention you're getting here. Is that it? Or you like staying up at night? <laughs> you like to drink the, your melatonin and, and everything else? And Benadryl or Valerian root? Because you <laughs> and your wine. <laughs> if you are a Christian and you've been forgiven by God, we are compelled by our Lord, and it is good for us, according to researchers, you will have better health. You have better sleep if you will only be forgiving. Now, obeying God's command is easier said than done. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because when we got offended, now I'm not downplaying the offense. Because the offense, people sin against us, that could be very, very heavy. And that's not, that's not the point of this. We're not downplaying the offense. But what we're saying is, the offense, no matter how grave or how heavy it was, that, was caused, that caused harm to us, it's, not, it's nothing compared to the offense and sin that we've committed against God. Do we agree? That's just the truth. So we have to remember, Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, get rid of all bitterness, Rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. We forgive because we've been forgiven. We love because we were loved first. Right? It, there's no other explanation other than that. We all know people who are in torment and imprisoned because they will not forgive someone who's wronged them. We all know a person. They are miserable people in a sense that they're no longer embracive or open to any relationship. They are not free. But they're thinking they're punishing the person that they're mad at. Or mad too. Instead, they become restricted. They torture themselves. They're uptight. They're tense. They're angry. They're bitter. And they're harsh. You see, the Lord tells us to forgive, not for the sake of the offender. If I can please have everybody's ear here. All eyes on me, please. The Lord tells us to forgive not for the sake of the offender, but for the sake of the one who has been offended. It is for our sake, the people that were offended. It is for our sake that we need to forgive regarding confronting problems, dealing with issues, anything that is binding, anything that is losing, 
hear Jesus say this. Remember that you are to be people known for forgiving over and 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 over. Look what happened to Jesus after being crucified on the cross. After the, the crucifixion is where the word excruciating came from. It's the worst way to die. It's the worst way to torture someone. That's why we don't see it anymore. But then right there, Jesus said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. If our Jesus, I mean, what offense is it that you're not letting go? Compared to what Jesus went through for you and for me. Are you like that unmerciful servant choking the life out of your brother and your sister because they owe you a hundred days of work? While you were forgiven 190,000 years of work, it's a hyperbole. It's an it's, it's a over-exaggeration to make a point. The point is we cannot. Any offense that will happen here cannot match the offense that we've committed against God. But yet with that, God has forgiven us. Our Lord Jesus turns his head to heaven after suffering and prays this prayer. Forgiving us. Forgiving them for they know not what they do. Folks, as a church... I hope that we, because in this church we say we know Christ, to know Christ, to become like Him, to make Him known. When do we do that? On church anniversaries only? <laughs> when other people are around? <laughs> Actually, it's every day, right? And we practice it every time, most especially with each other. Because Proverbs 17 9 reads, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it, dwelling on what? Dwelling on the offense. Dwelling on the offense that happened separates, separates close friends. It separates close friends. You know, maybe you see yourself in that story of the unmerciful servant. Maybe you've been hurt so badly that you can't, Finding yourself to forgive. Maybe it happened in your, or still happening in your marriage with your spouse. Maybe it's happening in your family with your children or your parents. Maybe it's happening at work. Or maybe, or maybe, just maybe it happens here at church. Maybe it's me. <laughs> and I won't even be surprised <laughs> if it was me. You've been robbed of joy. You've been robbed of your peace, and you don't know how to get out because you're imprisoning yourself with your unforgiving heart. The answer lies in the passage that we just read. The king commanded that the servant remain in prison until he paid his debt. Now, how can he pay his debt while he's in prison? 
There is no way. He can't make money while he's in prison. He can't work while he's in prison. But why did the king say, put him in prison until he gets to pay his debt? The only way he can pay his debt is this. If he asks for forgiveness from the king. Just like he did the first time. It's just like us. Constantly, after we accepted Christ back in 2001, for me, I'm still asking for forgiveness, and it's 2019, with all my gray hair and wrinkles and everything else hurting. I'm still asking for forgiveness. I'm still asking for forgiveness from Him. Because frankly, we all can't walk this life perfectly. So if we know that, and we say amen to that, how come we can't forgive our fellow men? How come we can't forgive our spouse or something that they said? You know, especially men. We're so insensitive. Right, men? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's just take the blame. All right, guys? Let's take the blame. Let's not... <laughs> Us men, the women said that we don't listen. My wife told me that I barely listen or something like that. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Something in that sense. <laughs> That's the joke, babe. <laughs> I always listen. <laughs> uh, we'll have anybody who has an extra room. <laughs> Jeremiah 31 to 34 reads, None of them will have to teach a neighbor to know the Lord, because all will know me. This is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah. From the least to the greatest, I will forgive their sins and I will no longer remember their wrongs. I, the Lord, have spoken. If Jesus says we are to be a people who forgive over and over again, how much more will our Father forgive us when we go to Him and say, Father, forgive me. For not forgiving. Change my heart. The other great thing is that he won't, he won't even, he'll forget it. Is that amazing? God doesn't just forgive, he also forgets. And frankly, us, we have a hard time forgetting. Right? We have a hard time forgetting. We set the boundary on that line we put a line there and it's a sand it's a sand ground it can always move the line will always move and we're saying this is as far as you'll go but God says I forgive you no more lines it's a new whole thing it's a whole new world again it's the relationship is restored again but for us sinners imperfect people we're so hard to forgive. Our hearts are so, so hard. So unforgiving. You know, we forget how offensive we are to a point that we forget that it was us who is the worst person compared to God. 
It reminds me, of, I think I shared this before, it reminds me of the story of the brother and sister. Remember? The candy and the marbles. So here's Peter with the marbles. And he sees his sister, Sarah, with candies, a big jar of candies. And, and, and what's his name? Peter? <laughs> and Peter, Peter said, hey, Sarah, how about we trade my marbles for your candies? And Sarah goes, all of it? The entire jar? And he goes, yes, all of it. Even trade. So Sarah goes, let me think about it, okay? So they got home, they slept, and then Peter was pretty confident that Sarah was going to do it. So he picks in his jar, looking for his favorite marbles. He's like, oh, I'm not going to give her that. Not this one. This is my lucky one. This is, matches my eye. He kept like four or five of them. Morning comes, Sarah goes, all right, Peter, let's trade. He traded. And they were happy. Both were happy. But at night, Peter can't sleep. Because he was thinking, I wonder if Sarah gave me all her candies. <laughs> Just wonder if she gave me all her candies. I wonder if you haven't forgiven someone, if you cannot forgive the offense that has happened to you or has been done to you, maybe, just maybe, you haven't really felt the forgiveness of God. Maybe you really haven't experienced that life-changing forgiveness from God for you to hold on to that bitterness and unforgiving, unforgiveness. Church history re records many examples of remarkable instances of forgiveness exercised by those whose sins were forgiven in Christ. The Dutch believer Corrie ten Boom, you all hear in she, this is, yeah, you did, you do great. Her book, The Hiding Place, she tells of her terrible treatment in a Nazi prison camp, of all the brutality that claimed her sister's life. Nevertheless, after the war, she was able to forgive one of her prison guards. Can you imagine that? He had become a Christian, and in their chance meeting, he had no memory of their earlier contact. At first, she was paralyzed with bitterness and could not smile or respond to his offered handshake. But in that moment, she prayed for grace, and the Lord responded in power. As I took, this is her speaking, as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. Folks, last Thursday, I met with Richard Santos, personally. Him and I met at one of his least favorite spots, Starbucks coffee. I did that intentionally. <laughs> he was there waiting for me. This was weeks. For those of you who don't know, Richard Santos is one of our brothers here at church before. And he left the church. And there's been just been pain and hurt that happened for almost four years now. It's been four years and some days. And we met in person. Finally. He offered his hand to me. 
and I didn't take it because I hugged him. <laughs> no, no claps needed, but praise God. It was one of the best two hours that I've spent this year. We did not talk about what happened. There's no point. There's no point to point fingers to say that I'm right, you're wrong. But the whole point is forgiveness was given. Because God wants us to forgive. Amen? No matter what. Those of us who know God's mercy must operate on the principle of mercy. Somebody say amen. Again, let me repeat. Those of us who knows God's mercy must operate on the principle of mercy. If they do not show mercy but insist of, of justice, they will not receive mercy but receive justice. An unforgiving heart is an unforgiven heart. An unforgiving heart is an unforgiven heart and is subject to torment until he should pay all. Verse 34. Our Father, when you, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? This is the model prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. You see it? You call him your father. You ask for what you need. And then you say, forgive me for my sins as I forgive others. That's, our, that's the model prayer. So maybe if you haven't forgiven someone or you have unforgiveness in your heart that you're holding on to, guess what? That's probably why your prayer is not being answered. That's probably why your prayers are not being answered. Because you have not forgiven the sins that's been committed to you. A truly forgiving heart is a result of the spiritual birth that Jesus spoke in John 3.3. 3. Folks, our church never claims to be perfect. Amen? Yes. We don't claim perfection. What we claim a perfect God. We are a group of imperfect people forgiven by grace by a perfect God. That is us. But we are compelled to forgive each other. As we invite people to come and join God's family and hopefully they're added to our family, we are, we are to be watchful of how we treat each other because they're looking in whether we like it or not. I have to deal with that for four years now. Whether I like it or not that I'm a pastor, <laughs> people are, are looking at me and, 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 and scrutinizing everything that I do, everything that I say, everything that I do, whether it's fair or not fair. But I have to do it in order for the Lord's name not to be shamed. Do you remember the adulterous woman? When she was caught in adultery, Jesus told the men, the people that were there, He who has not sinned, cast the first stone. 
he who has not sinned cast the first stone. Before you cast judgment upon others, look at yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror, and then if you think you're perfect, then maybe you can hold on to your unforgiving heart. But if you can't say that, then maybe it's time that you let go. Let's close in prayer. Lord, help us, Lord God. Help us to be merciful. Be merciful to us in an even greater measure by causing us to live in humility, not as harsh and judgmental people, but as your children. We pray that we are honest to not forget that we are not perfect ourselves. Humble us, Lord God, to admit that we are in the process and that we need extra grace as well. Help us, Lord God, to love others who have offended us by forgiving them. Help us to be forgiving even as you are. We confess our bankruptcy and our inability to forgive apart from your work in our hearts. May the attributes you spoke of in Galilee become real in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.